0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport,
1: powered by fans.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
3: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
4: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by MuckDelivery, bringing you the food you love. this is the besotted pride of west london podcast and i'm feeling in love absolute love it's valentine's day and i had a lovely day yesterday at griffin park aston villa came down And there was a lovely game of football. Brentford went out and they won 1-0 against the Villa. They come down here. They haven't beaten us since 1953, but we will talk about that later. But at the end of the day, I was feeling so loved up. I thought I'd come out today on Thursday on Valentine's Day with my mates in the pub. And we'd we'd talk about lovely things. Laney. Bill, I love your love action.
3: (laughs)
5: Oh, Well, thank you very much, lady. <laughs> I mean, I'm blushing now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I believe, I believe what the old man says, and I know that there's no lord above. I believe in truth, though I lie a lot. I feel the pain through the push and shove. No matter.
4: Yes. Anyway, we can listen. We listen. As you can see, Lady has been in the. Pub. He, he hasn't left the pub since last night. Actually, you know where he was feeling loved up. Like I said, my name is Billy Grant, and I'm here. We're in the West End. We've decided to come different. We've gone centralised now. We're in the Ship Inn down Wardour Street. You know, lots of people who work in the West End should come down there. Wicked little pub in Wardour Street, just opposite MPC, which is uh, the moving picture company where they did the old Harry Potter. You know, they created all the Harry Potter after effects and all sorts of stuff. So it's, they probably come inside there and they do all sorts of tricks. But anyway, the Ship Inn Wardour Street, fantastic. But like I said to you, we're going to sit here with my bells, bal- my, my buddies. And we're going to talk about last night's game against Aston Villa where we had an absolutely, as we say, teething tremendous evening, teething tremendous night. It went on quite long,
5: but we've done really well, haven't we? Yeah, it was an absolutely brilliant night. This um, is Laney, by the way. Hello. Um, I, thought, I thought tonight was one of the best nights I can remember at Griffin Park under the lights. The celebrations that followed the goal were just really special, something I won't ever forget. It was just kind of like euphoria. It was an eruption. The noise bleeding uh, up to the goal as well. I think I think the fans could sense it. There was the, I think I thought the, the the singing from three sides of that ground towards the end of the game. I think they, I think they knew they could smell victory. And you know I, I know Villa had you know a bit of possession and it got a little bit end to end towards the end, but. What Morpe did was just out of the top drawer to, 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 to wrestle the ball and then to, to move it onto to his right foot and then curl it into the top corner. Just the right finish, at exactly the right time. And that, was, that, that shows that he's the real deal. And there was real deal performances all over the pitch last night. And I was, as I said last night, very, very proud to be a Brentford fan.
4: Very proud. And then just I'm going to talk about, I'm going to introduce your other guests in a minute now. But I'm just going to make this point as well. Because on one of the other podcasts that I've listened to, listen to, a lot listened to quite a lot of podcasts out there as well. Not, the, uh, not the, t- the Totally Football League show, I think it was, as well. And they were discussing... I think it was this week as well, who they think the best striker in the championship is. It might have been last week's one, and they talked about Tammy Abraham, who is the best striker in the championship, and also Gail. So they were like going, it's got to be between Tammy Abraham and Gail. They might have had one other in there as well. There was absolutely no mention of Neil Malpay, which I thought in a way is good, but also sort of disrespect, because what they've done, they've looked at the chart, they've looked at who scored the best goals, but you also you've got to talk about sort of kind of the, 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 the annoyance factor. You've got to talk about the, you know, the fact that he's actually not played three games because he got banned for being a bit of a naughty boy. You know what I'm saying? And also the fact we've got a cup run. So we've obviously played one or two games less than everybody else. So, but I'm fine with that because these people always take a little bit of time to catch up with actually what's going on out there.
5: Well, I've seen all three this week. I saw Tammy Abrahams whinge his way through 90 minutes last night. I saw Neil Morpese score a brilliant last-minute winner. I saw Dwight Gale cheat his way to winning a penalty for West Brom the night before. And he just completely dived um, for the penalty. And I know that um, there's there's a huge focus on diving at the moment, um, more than there's ever been, because obviously every incident is recorded or or caught on YouTube or, or whatever. Um, so it, it kind of like brings the spotlight and the microscope down on every single incident. But, you know, out of the three players, more pay for me. Indeed. So listen, we've got, I've got my chums around here as well. Like I said to you, we're in the West
4: End. We're at the ship in Wardour Street. If you're ever in the West End, just come down here. I've got Savvy B. And uh, Savvy B was looking on the, on the menu as well. And he was very happy with the halloumi burger. And also the halloumi, the, the, the vegetarian fish and chips as well.
2: Yeah, uh, veggie fish and chips, which is uh, hallou- battered halloumi and chips. Uh, I haven't had it because it sounds like a, an absolute disaster. Because no, there's no way batter is going to stick to halloumi. Uh, anyway, we are in Wardour Street, and this is this is where I grew up basically. Coming to the Marquee in the, the late '70s, uh, early '80s, and uh, one of my favourite ever gigs was here. I saw the Associates uh, at the Marquee. And they were absolutely brilliant. Billy McKenzie. Billy McKenzie. Yeah, uh, that was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. So just coming down here again, just wandering past the intrepid Fox. You know, and uh, seeing that the marquee is now a Oaxaca is a bit sad, but, uh, but yeah, lovely memories of coming down here.
4: And, and, and going into reminisce mode as well, I mean, I used to go to um, Gaz's Rockin' Blues, which was at Gossips, I think it was, which is not, not quite but I think it was Dean Street. I think Gossips was like, you know. So, oh, Gaz, Gaz Mail. If you're a West Londoner, everyone's got to know who Gaz Mail was. His dad's a very famous blues musician, and he was a complete and utter lunatic. He started off with a stall at, um, at, 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 at Kensington Market selling scar stuff. And then he ended up starting a band, all sorts of ska bands, and he was just the king of ska um, from London. He's a loony, but he's a brilliant loony as he is. But
5: anyway, I mean, we've, we've deviated. I don't know even why we've done that. No, we ought to talk about best gigs down down Mordor Street. I mean, you mentioned the Marquee. Marquee was where I got, I, I became friends with a band called Frer, F R E U R, who then became Underworld. And uh, I wonder what happened to them. I've never heard of them. No, so uh, yeah, they they were top lads and they're still are top lads and they're still going strong, just like the Mighty bees.
4: Yes, indeed. And listen, we've got her back again, you know, coming into the central London zone, Katie B. Katie G, Katie B, <laughs> Katie Graham. how are you doing?
6: I'm all good, all good. I am sore-headed today after celebrating probably a little too hard yesterday. But I am besotted with Brentford. That was a beautiful game of football. I drank a lot of beautiful wine, and I'm still alive, so that's fine. <laughs>
4: Glad to know that you're still alive. And like I said, to you, this has been a brilliant football week as well for the bees. Just quickly, got to mention on Tuesday night, myself and quite a few bees went down to Dulwich Hamlet to go and see the Brentford B team players. Well, if you haven't seen the B team players, it's it's really good laugh to go and see them. Some good players in there. Theo Archibald was converted from a winger we wrote an old article about him being the winger the winger the winger Theo Archibald and he turns up at the game and he was left back and I think there's a theme running through here that we thought we'd mention it you know but Theo Archibald was the left back and he played really well against Dulles a very very tough game Managed to get a one-nil win, so we're through to the final of the London Senior Cup. If you go to Pride of West London, you can check out the podcast that we did from there. I sort of opened my microphone, and it ended up being sort of twenty odd minutes of Brentford fans and Hamlet fans talking about that game. And you could tell it was a really, really good night, really, really good laugh. And there was a lot of casualties from that night because it's very, very dangerous watching
5: non-league football. Are you still feeling loved up, Bill? I will tell you something, I'm feeling loved up. I feel yeah. loved. <laughs> how many, uh, how many uh, Valentine's cards did you get this morning, mate? Well,
4: actually not as many this time as normally. I've got about 16 or 17, you know. Katie, okay, how many did you get?
6: 25. Oh, oh Savvy B. I
2: got to 74% more than last year. Oh,
4: Deary, and, and Laney, how about yourself? Um, anyway, should we start this podcast? Yes, we yeah. should <laughs> move on to this. We should move <laughs> on. Okay, you know, we're feeling loved up, but we're going to see how loved up the Brentford fans were last night as we played Aston Villa in the league Aston Villa have been down to Brentford Griffin Park three times in the last three years and uh, they've come out with as they say nil point Villa fans weren't happy Brentford fans were very happy so listen to what they all had to say in the ground in the street and in the pub after the game
7: oh absolutely tremendous Bill after being at Forest on Saturday seeing A different sort of game altogether. I think Thomas Frank got it tactically absolutely correct today. To a man, the passion and intensity was always there throughout all 90 minutes. Great game to watch. Hopefully, they've enjoyed it as much as we have on the television.
2: Yeah, fantastic game. I think minute one, we were at it. Kanos was superb running at them. He looked on fire. It was just an absolutely brilliant game throughout. Uh, We deserved the win by far. I mean, they look dangerous on the break, you know, they got some players, but we just snuffled them out throughout, it gave them no chances, uh, we were just superb throughout the game, very well-deserved very well 1-0 uh, win. Mate, it was good, you know, it was, it was a close game there, a decent team, I think Villa came for a point, I think it was too obvious really, I think that was their letdown, maybe a criticism of Smith when he was with us, didn't always go for a win when he, when he could have done, he went for a point. He sat back for a point and he got what he deserved. He got absolutely nothing. Fantastic finish, good performance, solid all the way through, I thought. Quality striker up front, there's your goal, 1-0. Happy,
7: happy days. Uh, quite impressive, really, in terms of uh, tactics and strategy. And I'm really pleased for Thomas Frank. And uh, Neil Pompey kept going all the way to the end, got what he deserved.
0: Looking at that game, Billy, it was it was one of those games where I think Brentford, from the start to the finish, they were they were absolutely relentless and the finish by Mopé was outstanding but I think throughout the whole team every, the good thing tonight is everyone contributed both uh, attacking and defensively. I think the one thing was the positivity because maybe after an hour, 75 minutes we could have lost a little bit of heart but, but Brentford stuck with it and they they, I think they had a real inner belief in them tonight that they could get something from the game and I think it was 90 plus one and as I, as I tweeted, Mopay time. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I've always been in the, the Thomas Frank camp, I'll be honest, you know, my time at the Trust and got to know him uh, and I think I think he's, he's a genuine, believes in what he's doing and he's a real
1: people person and that's coming across right now with the team. No, I mean, I, I mean up until your goal, we had the best chance of the game you know but um, I didn't think Brentford were as good as I've seen them over the past couple of seasons but listen this place seems to be you know it's it's jinx for us I think it's it's become more of a, a mental sort of block for us we just can't seem to get anything against you boys and um, it was coming I mean yeah on the end of it you deserved it. We were we're dreadful. We're absolutely dreadful. There's something not right. Something something not right at all. What we need to do is
4: that we need to give you some more. Anything we'll give you some players. We'll give you some of our cutlery. We'll give you some of our crockery. Because uh, last time we gave you Scott Hogan and then we came down. And we smashed you <laughs> yeah, three 0 Then we've given you Dean Smith and now we've smashed you again. So I mean, is there anything else? You could have some floodlights if you want because we're not going to be here very very much. Right? we you can take that back to Aston Villa. Like... <laughs> we just can't get it right no. Ag- against you. It just seems to be a, a,
8: a curse when we come here. Although I, I, I will say I think that's probably the worst I've seen you every over the time. We've played you, I thought you've played us off the park I didn't think you were as good as you have been In previous years, but we're nowhere near The level that we were when Dean Smith first came in I, I, I can't understand what's happened other than a couple of injuries But a couple of injuries shouldn't be making That much difference I mean, you—you, you'll, you'll I imagine you've been shocked by what you saw from Villa Knowing the way that you, that you know that Dean Smith Wants to play football, I'd imagine you'd be Surprised at what you've seen tonight I think we've got a, a few aging, aging players We haven't got much down the flanks at the moment and when we actually did press you which wasn't very often we, we, we caused you a, a few problems we won the ball off you with McGinn quite high off the pitch but there just wasn't enough of that we, did, we didn't create anything we didn't, we didn't deserve to win I don't, as I say I don't think you were at your best but I don't think there can be any arguments with you beating us tonight yeah. I've got no complaints sadly. when we had the best chance of the game when Horahan went through on goal obviously your keepers I've seen him a few times this season he's made a few mistakes but he's made a good save I, th- I think what you've just said there sums it up for me that you're playing an attacking player at fullback. And I can't think of any Villa player running at him and causing him any problems defensively. Would you think, as he's not a defensive player, you'd be able to get at him?
1: If it was anybody else apart from Dean Smith, if, if Dean Smith didn't have the affinity that he has with Villa, tonight, tonight, you know, it would have it got a lot worse. Um, I think we can see it as fans. I think we know what he wants to do. It's not his team. Um, he can only do so much, as Dan said. Like, we're, we're an Asian squad. About nine or ten of those players that were in this first team's call tonight won't, won't be here in the summertime. Um, I think they know that. Um, and you know we're we're much better than this, but y- y- you know you can see it coming a mile off. And this is this is what it's been like for the last dozen games. It's been this it's been this turgid for the last dozen games. And I just don't know where the next win is going to come from. We miss Jack Goodish badly, but players on that money at, at, at this level playing for us, it looks like the shirt's a little bit too heavy for them. Yeah. And um, massive massive changes in it in the summertime. Um,
9: I was quite surprised that they didn't kind of set up aggressively. It felt like they were content to get us on the counter a little bit and that surprised me. Um, I thought they'd be a lot more forceful going forward. Um, I, we're obviously turning into a bogey team for them but uh, you know, lo- long may it continue. I think our players do kind of rise to the occasion against them uh, but I think that club unfortunately culturally maybe has a few issues and uh, you know, that they don't see us as a I don't know how to describe it. It's an odd one. They are, we are a bogey team to them and it's an issue but I still think that they struggle against sides like us uh, that are, you know, kind of aggressive and want to play good football against them. Uh, Yeah, I really thought Carlos was fantastic today. He showed a lot of energy, a lot of fights. He was all over the shop and you could see that by the end he was physically kind of exhausted and he gave everything today. So massive, massive credit for him. Um, We were very aggressive with him going forward and I do think that caught them by surprise a little bit. Um, He did what Dalsgaard did does a lot of the time and tries to get forward but he was so forward and so aggressive and he's just got that little bit maybe extra when it comes to passing a player that Dalsgaard does that doesn't have and um, yeah I think that caught them out a little bit and to be honest with you it caught me out as well I was really surprised at how well he did how aggressive he was how good he was actually when he had to defend
7: so you know full credit to the guy today you know he obviously loves the club so brilliant I wouldn't say it's got, it ain't got any better for us I think uh, we're now getting into the realisation that this is one hell of a league to get out of. And, uh, you know, Brentford again. Played well. Passed the ball around well. We played five in midfield and we still couldn't get the ball off them. You had that Ryan Woods who used to uh, run the show. Now you got Romain Sawyers who did a similar job. Nobody picked him up. You still played with the two wide men. So you still had options all over. Every time you attacked, you still have wide options. And we couldn't deal with it. The fans are still behind him because at the end of the day he's one of us. He's a villa fan. He's been a season ticket holder. His dad was a season ticket holder. He loves the club. I was surprised he came really because Brentford have got a bit of a something going on here, new stadium, good club. Uh, The fans are right behind him. I was surprised we got him as cheap as we did get him. And he got a fantastic reception off Brentford people tonight. So that shows how much Brentford loved the bloke. So we had two shots on target in the whole game. Whereas you, could, you had lots of pressure, maybe not as many shots, but you always looked dangerous. Every time you attacked, as I said before, the two wide players, every time.
5: Romain Sawyers, Brummie lad, had a great game. I thought the performance was exceptional and it really was from start to finish for 90 minutes, apart from maybe 5 minute, 10 minute spell in the second half where Villa had a couple of chances, apart from that, it was all Brentford and not just all possession it was possession with intent, we got the ball down, we got the ball wide, we moved it quickly we got it forward, it wasn't sideways, backward passing Sergi Canos was just incredible tonight I think he must have run himself into the ground which is why he came off Hopefully he's all right for Sunday. I think uh, you know playing him at wing back may have may have been forced on him, but I think sometimes you you discover things by chance, and uh, hopefully we've found a place where he can thrive because he's got even more space to do what he wants in. You know, um, just amazing, Bill, and you know a, a brilliant atmosphere at the end. A very very proud night to be a for fan.
4: So that's listening to the fans in the pub and the street on the terraces. Oh, I love that. The, the, the singing in the background, I mean, there was, uh, honestly, you could be, people were in love, actually. The new Valentine's Day was coming so you could hear the love from the terraces as everybody was joyously singing and celebrating the fact that well, we have beaten in Villa yet again and uh, they hadn't beaten us since 1953. I know that really grates at them. They'll come out with all sorts of facts saying, well, we haven't played you for 30 years, but that's irrelevant. The facts are on the table. But that game yesterday... Um, We were a bit gutted at half-time because we thought we should have been ahead at half-time, but we weren't. And it was interesting because if you listen to the views of uh, the Villa View lads as well um, on the podcast there before, and also the Sutton Coldfield Villains who were chatting the Villa fans on that podcast, they said, you know, Brentford, you deserve to win, but in particular the Villa View guys are saying, but we didn't think you were as good as you were the previous time that you played us. Now, that actually really threw me and confused me because I thought that, you know, at times we were absolutely brilliant, you know, playing the ball around, they couldn't get near us. And the way that we were playing the ball around really fast, it was sticking to our feet. We were, we were just sort of passing the ball around, not letting not let, not let them get anything near. And I'm just sort of thinking, what do you have to do? Is it's a, is a really good side somebody who takes shots every five minutes on 30 or 40 yards? Or is it someone who basically the opposition... Can't get the ball Because surely If they can't get the ball They ain't going to score And all it's going to take For us to score Which we did In the 91st minute Laney,
5: I thought the first half Was a St Valentine's Day Eve massacre And uh, We We bossed it From the first second Until the four, the Referee blew his whistle At half time And I I think I explained Last night The best I could why I think, although we may have beaten them a little bit more comfortably in terms of the, the, the goal margins before, I think last night I think we were more of a complete it was more of a complete performance over the ninety minutes I think uh, you know, we might have carved out clearer um, goal scoring opportunities uh, in that especially in the first game the three nil game but last night i I, I thought we i thought it, I, I I would gauge that as a uh, as, a, as a better performance it was, it was a better footballing show it was almost a footballing masterclass in the first half and you know you, you, you can try and spin it a different way and we'll go on to what Dean Smith said after the game but I think anyone knows anything about football will kind of agree that Brentford were vastly superior pretty much in every section of that game bar bar A few opportunities, and it's a game of football. So, the opposition are always going to have chances. They
4: are going to have chances, and listen, this is a conversation, it's a flowing conversation. So, we're actually going to mention now what Dean Swift did say after the game, because I think it's actually really, really important. Uh, First thing I'll say, and I always put the disclaimer in there, we think Dean Swift's a really lovely guy. He's been great for Brentford, he's done brilliant things for us, so this is no disrespect to him as a person.
5: But. <laughs> with all due respect but <laughs> but, but. That's a big but yeah
4: it's a big but but listen Dean Smith when you come out in the pre- post-match um, press conference and you say that you felt that Baston Villa were a better side during Tuesday, you know, as we said, the, the, the headline out there is Thomas Frank disagreed with Dean Smith's assessment that Aston Villa were the better side during Tuesday's Championship clash at Griffin Park. I mean, I'm not being funny, but I'm just wondering whether or not he's been on the old whiskies before the game, you know, because even you know, all the rose-tinted glasses were properly tinted in that game because in, in, there is no way in the world I'm um, watching that game that Aston Villa were in any way in top in that game. Uh, we've spoken to really respected Villa fans, like I said to you the Villa View, uh, it's a very respected blog and video blog and podcast they turned around and said you know, that we were the better side, we speak to the Sutton Colville villains who go everywhere with Villa, I mean they're in the pub at four o'clock in the afternoon and they didn't leave till midnight, they really enjoyed their day you know, spoiled by the football but also they turned around and said that we were the better side so I'm not quite understanding where Dean Smith is coming from, Sav
2: I think he's trying to justify holding on to his job a little bit uh, I think they also came, I mean, as Dave was saying, the, the difference between uh, the previous performance, the 3-0 and, and that one, was partly to do with the fact that Villa actually came to defend the draw. Uh, that's what they were going for and that was, that's why uh, it was difficult for us to get more than one goal um, because, you know, they were, they were quite well banked up and uh, although we had a lot of the ball, a lot of the possession, and we did carve out some really good chances... Uh, you know, it, it looked like that we weren't quite as good as last time because we didn't score three. But that's because they, they came with a much more defensive mentality. Uh, I, th- I think, yeah, I, I can understand why he's trying to say say that you know they played well and when they when they didn't. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that, that's, that's I can, you know that's what he's going to say. That's what he's going to say. But we, we were the better team throughout. We did create the better chances, and I know he's he's tried, also said that uh, they created the best chance. Uh, but uh, they didn't because we created the best chance and we scored from it. So, you know, he's, he's, he's just been a typical manager. He did it when he was our manager. There were some times after a game when you thought, I don't quite, uh, I don't quite agree with you there, Dean, sorry. Uh, because, you know, he's, he's, got to, he's got to big up his performance, he's got to big up his team, you must have let him go down. And if he can get away with saying, oh, we deserve better than a 1-0 loss, He's going to try it. I don't agree with him, but he's going to try it.
4: OK, I mean, and if we're talking about... Let's just talk about this match. We're going to go into it a little bit deeper because if you're talking about chances, let's just talk about sort of the traditional stats that you talk about there as chances. I mean, I mean, I know, Kate, you've been looking at it. I mean, what's the possession stats? What was the, the chances shot? What's the, what's the shots? How, how did it shape up?
6: Well, so we had 62% of possession to their 38 and we had 23 shots to their 6 of which six of ours were on target, three of theirs were on target. So that's a massive, massive difference. And I think that was really clear watching the game. There's no way that they looked better, their chances were better. We, we looked absolutely sublime and we bossed it.
4: And, and chances as well. I mean, listen, let's just go through, I mean, there's some clear-cut chances. I mean, because obviously what's frustrating is that we hadn't a we nil all at half-time. If we had gone in 1-0 at half-time, they would have had to change their game plan. But they come here for the, the, the draw. If we'd gone 1-0, they'd have had to come out and attack us. It could have been completely different. But I mean... What what, what what chances were there that you can remember?
5: Three that I can remember off the top of my head. I think Sergei Kanats is dipping half volley uh, early on in the game. That was bang on target, tipped over the bar. I, I would say that was a, a better chance than the one that Dean Smith is talking about, but which didn't even get to a being saved. That's
4: Connor Hounorant's um, chance at the, the the second half, yeah. Yeah,
5: um, and then I I remember a. a Block shot from Ben Rama, and I remember a free kick save from Barbe, and I thought it was a decent save by their goalkeeper. There was also a couple of like um, toe pokes, um, crosses across the face of goal, which I thought Morpé was going to get onto. I also remember, um, yeah, there was there was a fair amount. I mean, okay, they weren't they weren't sort of like straight through on goals, but you know. I think he's clutching at straws there, you know.
6: Yeah, Watkins threw a crowd as well that their goalkeeper did a really good job to get down to and save. Uh, ben Rama just passed the post. Like Plenty of really good opportunities. Did you talk about
2: the overhead kick as well? Did you talk about that oh, one?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the amazing Ben Rama bicycle kick that was nearly a thing of wonderful beauty.
2: I mean, that, that shot was definitely on target and you just, just smashed some... Villa player in the face. You
5: know? <laughs> but, but. And we had a penalty, you know, I, I thought it was a Stonewall penalty where um, Sawyers was pushed, pushed in the back, he went down. You know, um, uh, looking at the replays, the, the, the penalty decision that the Villa fans were, were, were talking about, they were, um, you know, I, I, he ran into a defender. So I, I wouldn't say that, you know, theirs was clear cut whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I, I thought that. Uh... The, I thought the, the ref was just basically he decided that he was going to give no no, no, no no fouls at all any, any kind of attempt at diving or anything that looked like it might have been a dive he was just consistently not going to give it and in a way that was quite good because they, they were doing more cheating and diving than we were so I mean they, they, you know, they, they kind of uh, were, were more likely to, to pick up a, a, a dodgy refereeing decision than we were uh, and uh, we were, you know, in the end, uh, decent referee. I know, I know there was lots of boos, but uh, in the end, the fact that he just took no nonsense was good for us.
6: Yeah, because it really let the game flow in the way that was working so well for us. Not stopping it, not breaking it up was really important.
5: I, I'd go as far as to say that Dean Smith came to Brentford scared and, um, and Aston Villa were, were really concerned about what they could be on the end of. And I, I, and I find that really dis, disheartening. Um, you know, Dean Smith has had a fair few months now at Aston Villa and no one can no dress up his squad anything other than a really, really excellent one. They may be underachieving, but they're all high, high, high calibre. Uh, highly paid? High, yeah, high, yeah, money doesn't really come into it. You know, yeah, they are highly paid, but they are, they are really, really quality pros. And if he can't get them playing football after four months, then he's got issues because they are, they are. you know, we can say we're technically better. We shouldn't necessarily be. They're, they're more experienced. You've got players there that should be able to adapt and and have at some stage in their career been way, way more achieving than our lot.
4: I, I, I slightly disagree with you when saying money doesn't come into it because I think, for, a, for example, Tammy Abraham, we were looking at him, you know, a few seasons ago, and the reason why he didn't come to us as opposed to go into wherever he went to—I can't remember if it's Bristol City or Huddersfield or—I can't remember the stage in his career where it was. is because of money. It was strictly because of money because of what Chelsea wanted and what, what wanted to pay him per week, which we couldn't afford. So Aston Villa can afford to pay these players more money, so that in principle they can get higher calibre players, you know, traditionally higher calibre players.
5: Well, I, I say that's actually a problem for them because. As soon as you're on that money, you, your your hunger goes, and uh, you know all the time they're paying over the odds. Their players aren't hungry enough, and you saw one to eleven, although they weren't one to eleven, obviously, but one to eleven last night. Our players are hungry, and you know they're they're playing for moves. They're playing for their next. They're playing for their next club. You know they're they're playing to be in the shop window. But you know, yeah, that's slightly depressing. But last night they were playing for Brentford and the Brentford badge. And uh, I, I, I wouldn't... I don't want to pay our players anymore.
2: I think if you... You can also look at our bench where we had uh, sort of six players uh, basically B-team teamers or very close to... or just been... come out of B-team. OK, uh, McEachran's played. But uh, there was no one there you thought, oh, they could come on and do a job. Uh, you know, it was a really, really kind of B-teamy feel to our, our defence. And they had Khadija on, on the bench. And they've let... Uh, Hogan go out on loan, and you're thinking, oh you know, their, their squad must be really, really impressive if they can do that." Uh, well, t- what about the players that they
4: aren't playing as well? They've got all, they've got all sorts of players that they're they're not even playing. Oh, I can't remember. We talked about it in the I think I think we talked about it on the radio show as well the other day. I mean, they're paying some players lots and lots of money, so I know that it's really weird because when you speak to Villa they go oh yeah we, we almost went fast and we had lots of problems beforehand but we've now come back and we're doing alright we've got an owner that, you know, that's put, put money into us but we were on the, on the on the verge of folding and you sort of think oh, I feel sorry for you but all of a sudden it's like no because there is a lot of financial mismanagement going on and a bit of kind of throwing money to try and buy your way out the league and it just doesn't really work like that and you know as we, you know, we've, we've stated this claim and we're not saying it in a sort of kind of ragadocious way but you know they did have a fan and there was an attitude of this pub team Brentford thing that was going on about that but when you come and you find that a team like us which the resources that we've got are a tenth or a twentieth of what theirs are so the only way that we can actually beat them is actually kind of like by finding players that they've got no idea about then they come and just give us you know they try and sign them in the end of the day because they can't find them they'll, they'll sign it off us so we become their scouting machine you've got to give us some sort of respect you know what I'm saying now coming back to it what I think with that game What confused us is because we hadn't scored, but we felt that we played quite well, but also these Villa guys, you know, are saying that they didn't actually think that we were actually that good um, this game. Now, like I said, see, that confused us. So what we did is that we went over to our resident statistician. XG, XG Dave. Yeah, XG Dave, that's right. So we went over to XG Dave, David Henderson, and we wanted to find that exactly... How we were doing this season? No, this game from an XG level. Now, like I say, XG measures um, the quality, expected goals, the quality, the quality of chances that you have. Because we talked about the chances earlier on. Um, Kate talked about the chances that we had as opposed to Villa, as well. We also talked about the fact that um, I'll just say that we had 55, five hundred fifty odd passes that game, whereas uh, Villa only had three hundred twenty odd passes, which I think is very interesting. Because normally a Dean Smith side, when he was playing with us. It would be always 500, 550, 600 passes per game. You know, if you're very, you know, very good, you know, Stoke City. At, at one stage, were around about equal to that. You know, um, um, West Brom, to give an, uh, an example, would be slightly higher, maybe 650. Leeds United as well. So these teams who you know pass the ball around, we were one of that. Aston Villa were down to 320, where they basically couldn't get hold of the ball. And when they got hold of the ball, they were hoofing the ball up there. But I'm just going to come back to the XG. We wanted to find out how good we were really because at the end of the day we were deemed as being not as good as before Dave's come back to us and he said that XG in that game Brentford were 1.78 XG for that game and Aston Villa were 0.5 now XG normally a, game, a team that's good is between 1 and one and a half okay so between one and one and a half it means that you're having a, you know a decent game we were 1.78 so basically we were doing the right things we weren't you know for whatever reason they weren't going in the back of the net whereas aston villa hardly had any chance at all so i don't know how dean smith could say that he and that team were better than us now just to give an example everyone that saw that sheffield united aston villa game which was you know a heartbreaker and tremendous depending on you know what what team that you supported you know if you saw Sheffield United, they, were, they, were, they battered Villa. I thought they battered Villa. And then Villa came back and they scored the three goals and they are going, yeah, aren't we so brilliant? Just to give an example and, and a matching up on the XG there, um, Aston Villa were 1.4 in that game XG. They were 0.5 in this game and Sheffield United were 2.31. That is like smashing them off the park. Absolutely. So it's interesting where we've got a situation where it seems that Dean Smith is now... The chances, the defensively, the chances against, they're always still conceding, still conceding, whereas what Thomas Frank is doing in his scenario, he's trying to sort of stop that. Whichever way he's done it tactically, he's trying to arrest the situation we had where anytime time there's a half-decent chance against you, the team used to score. And uh, you could see that in some of these figures, which, you know, we're still learning this and we're talking to these experts about it, but how these things are matching up laney.
5: I'll tell you what, Aston Villa, their, their expected balls to ball boys were rather good. They kicked the ball out more than 300 times, <laughs> I reckon. Um, I don't know who said it earlier, and it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, I've, I've lost a bit of respect for Dean Smith, if I'm honest with you, because he's certainly in survival mode already, and it, it, his, his nightmare is actually beginning to to, to you know become true. Um, it's Valentine's Day, not Halloween, but... You know, it's turning into a bit of a horror show there for him. You know, you've obviously got fans already saying he's out of his depth. He's looking over his shoulder that John Terry is going to be, you know, being groomed for, you know, the, 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 his replacement. Um, he's, he's the, the the weight of um, what he achieves at Brentford and his his responsibility or he the, what he was actually responsible for is being called into question. Um, I've got a feeling that, you know, it's going to be a, a make-or-break summer for him, you know. There, Aston Villa are going to be expecting him to come up with names of players who can who can turn the corner, you know. Cheap, well, 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 kind of researched, well, well, kind of um, um, potential players, and he, he won't have the list. I, I, I'm sure that the people, the powers that be, don't allow the. Uh, People to, to leave with the golden, the, you know, the golden goose. So, you know, maybe one one or two names ahead, you know, one transfer window ahead. I don't think he's privy to who Brentford are going to be in for in the summer, and Aston Villa are going to be expecting it.
4: Which is interesting again because, again, if you go into social media, and the social media has been very <coughs> active. To be fair with Villa, they're like one of the most active fans when it comes to social media, when they're either doing well or they're doing very badly. And a lot of Aston Villa fans, you know, I saw tweets going around there saying, actually, why don't we also go and buy Brentford's recruitment team? You know what I'm saying? Sort of kind of quite arrogantly, you know, and there's a few tweets going out there saying it doesn't quite work like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, And for Aston Villa fans out there, what you need to know is that the the thing is our recruitment team is very much sort of linked to our club and our owner who has bought the club as opposed to just buying somebody else, you know, and getting somebody else in from, you know, from from Reed Employment or whatever like that, or wherever they employ recruitment people from nowadays. So it's not quite as simple as that. And also Dean Smith, as, as much as he was involved in players, as in he used to give a thumbs up you know, or suggest that I would like a striker or I'd like a fast striker, and he'd be involved in the process and he'll go off when they found people and he'd look at them and he'd say, yes or no, this is good for me. But it was very much a collaborative thing. The directors of football at Brentford are very much involved in this process and the whole analytics team and the scouting team and all that. So we bring these people in. So when these people like Dean Smith leave and people like Mark Warburton beforehand when they leave, you could see they haven't got the, the, the network necessarily around them, so they've got to start making these decisions on their own. Not saying they're going to make bad decisions, you know, necessarily, but we've seen with Uwe Rosler, I mean he was, he was, I mean, he was like a fish out of water, you know, as soon as he left Brentford when he came to choosing players. And Mark Warburton was completely and utterly sussed out, you know, when he went to Rangers and definitely went to Nottingham Forest, where basically you could see that he was... Well, again, there were things that are happening which we're not going to go on too much about, but there's eyebrows being raised in certain places about um, the quality of players that were coming in. So what we're going to say to you is that Brentford, we've got a setup here that works for us at the moment now, and if we can keep it like that, it's a very good thing.
5: That's, that's the clever thing about the setup. You know, the, the crown jewels is that comes under the the, the the matchbook. You know, the smart odds. Sorry, the smart odds. Um, Smart odds is the owner uh, the, the the the
4: company that uh, that is owned by our owner okay his company is called smart odds who
5: produces statistics sorry, sorry smart odds is what i meant sorry but you know so the crown jewels are protected within that empire you know that's where a lot of the research goes that happens so you know it, it's kind of ring fenced outside of brentford so it's it's difficult to go poaching there indeed indeed listen there was one thing that we haven't talked about as well is
4: the uh, it's a genius masterstroke. I mean Thomas Frank, he pulled a masterstroke uh, before the game, you know, when the team was announced and apparently Thomas Frank said on C3 uh, on television, we're going to be playing 3-4-3. Three, um, he said, "No, no." He said he was playing. He's, you know, he be going four at the back. Apparently, he said we're going four at the back, and he told you know on TV. And David Smith said he's going four at the back because we had Sergi Canos in the side, so everyone presumed we we're going to go four at the back. But no, instead, boom, he slotted Sergi Canos in at right back where he's never played before. And apparently, the the, the meeting just went, you know, Sergi, you know, I want you to play right back, and he says, "Yes, boss, that'll be great. I'll play right back." Um, but you know I can't defend, don't you?
5: <laughs> and he was just like, doesn't matter, yeah. just, just, just get on with it, did, you know. He Did a bloody good job at it, you know. To talk about defending from the front, I don't think. Well, I can't remember anyone putting in a shift like that. You know, it was, it was like he was doing shuttle runs constantly until his legs ran out, and then you know he, he, he could. I don't think he could run anymore. I'm not sure, you know. I'm not sure he was necessarily injured. I'm sure he hurt, but I think it was just cramp. Through you know, he he, he didn't have any any energy left in his body. And um, I think Sergi Canos, you know, I've raised my glass to you. I doubted, I doubted you earlier in the season. I I, I thought you 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 hadn't come anywhere close to the form that you showed in your first in at, at Brentford when you since you've been back. Last night you looked you looked Premiership class i going to go, maybe not world class, but why not? Why not world class? I can't, I can't you know, those kind of performances are just exceptional. And he, he played his heart out last night.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was really good, uh, interesting in the pub when the, the team came through. It just all beeps on everyone's phone and we were all looking at it and thinking, uh, how are we going to set up? How are we going to set up like this? Where, can, where, can I, so we've got Ben Rama and Watkins. So You can't have three wide players, that's madness. Uh, so may, maybe Watkins is what's going to slip back into the middle. Maybe, maybe this is going to happen. Maybe that's going to happen, and we just didn't have a clue. But
4: to be fair to the, the Allard, he, he nailed it. Uh,
2: he nailed it with my, my help, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I said, well, why not just play Canos, uh, you know, instead of Dalsgard and then it all kind of works, apart from the fact that he can't defend. Uh, but I mean, it was it was actually a masterstroke because he was told clearly, told just bomb forward, bomb forward, bomb forward, keep their player back. Yeah, they can't attack you if you're attacking them, and and it worked. And, and by playing the back, you've always got Contu, who's able to come across and cover him. So it's 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 a great great setup to have somebody who is fast and forward looking, and, and it's it's been working for us for a long time. We just changed the personnel, and it it worked again.
4: I'm going to ask you the question though, Sav. Do you think he? I mean, because we were trying to work out whether it is a it was a tactical masterstroke. Or if it's an enforced master stroke. It looks like it's been an enforced master stroke because of a Dow's Guard injury. But sometimes, as Laney said, these things happen where by accident, you know, somebody gets put in the side, you know, Chris Meppham got put in the side because we had an injury to Egan, I think, at the time, and we didn't have anyone else put him in, and he was brilliant. So we thought let's stick with him. And you know, he's 12 you know, 39 games later we've sold him for 12 million pounds. We've got this Canos situation now where he's been put in because of the injury. Do you think that Dean Smith is... Oh, Dean Smith. I've oh, oh, washed your mouth out. I've done it again, haven't I? Um, Dean Smith, all respect to Dean. No, Thomas Frank, do you think he's going to... But, yeah, that's right. Do you think he's going to uh, stick with him?
2: Uh, I, 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 no, I think it might work better at home than it does away because away you're going to expect the other team to come at you. And as Cannell says, he's not a defender. So I think it's horses for courses. It worked last night. And it, it worked partly because we were at home against a team that... It, I, don't, I don't know if Thomas Frank realised, but well, we sussed it out, but they came to defence, they came for a point. So it worked last night. I wouldn't want to try it away from home.
4: But I'm going to come back to you again, because just, but with this newly found Brentford sort of kind of, um, you know, tr- trendy thing going on about converting wingers to, to, to left-backs to, to fault the fullbacks we did that with Theo Archibald we saw him again in the Dulwich Hamlet game a couple of days ago you know maybe, isn't it one of those things where maybe on the training ground they're actually going I tell you what mate you know you said you can't defend we're going to teach you to defend
2: well I mean if you, if you go back far enough uh, we actually converted uh, Moses Odebarjo you know who, was, who was, came to us as a winger and we put him uh, back in his fullback and he made the rest of his career there and, but I think I think that the wing-back role is different for us. We're getting used to it as, a, as, a, as supporters. It's quite new, and we're realizing that there are some players which maybe aren't as brilliant at defending, uh, but are fantastic going forward. that can play that role in the same way that you can convert or you can put a defender in, into that role and, and let, let them go forward.
5: See, I, I, I'm really not happy with this pigeonholing of, of people in their positions, especially in a setup like ours where it's so attack minded. You know, so I think obviously defenders, like your, your central defenders, need to be able to defend. Your goalkeeper, no offence, that Dan, you need you need to be able to like save. And then your, your central midfield are you know pivotal in that. They need to sort of defend and attack, and they need to be able to get the ball and play it, play it to the ones that are going to either score the goals or set them up. And those wing back positions and those winger positions, it all becomes a little bit blurred. There, there isn't, there isn't, uh, there isn't necessarily any sort of boundaries there now, and uh, I think, I think if we can convert, you know, or, or be able to play Canos there now and again, you know, then why not? And you know, I, I just, I just don't think it's, I think it's wrong to just write, write someone off that that's not where they normally play, and we found that with um, when Chidozie Egbone arrives. And then we, sort of said, you know, we were saying, like, we were, at the time, we were really struggling for a replacement for Morpay. It was either Morpay or, or no goals. And then we were saying, like, Chidozi, surely he can play there. And people were going, oh, yeah, but he's a winger. Yeah, but so what? You know, if, he, if you're a really direct, really tall, really awkward player, then you're going to cause havoc, whether it's out wide, in the middle, wherever. So I think we need to be a little bit more fluid in how we judge our players.
6: And to be fair to Canos as well, when um, what what he really brought to that position was like his hustling and his aggression and his speed. So when he, in those moments where he did need to defend, he was able to track back really quickly and to disrupt Ilie through his sort of strength and physical presence. So he might not be like the greatest defender, but he is able to like. Cause a little bit of a problem for, for them. And the other thing that was really important in terms of the fluidity that Dave was just talking about was that Kanos knows exactly what those wingers are going to do. He understands Ben Rama, he understands Watkins, you know, and obviously he understands Mopay as well. And so it meant in those moments when he was charging forward into all that space that got created, he knew where they were going to be, he knew what they were going to do, he knew how they were going to move, and that was really beneficial
5: the other downside from playing him in that position or okay not another one one of the only downsides from playing him in that position is I can't see how anyone who's a human being can play more than maybe an hour 70, 65, 70 minutes like that I don't think there's anyone with the with the kind of um, the the energy levels to 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 call upon. I think you just end up just burning yourself out. You know, no matter how many energy drinks, no matter how many refreshment stops you get during a game, I think an hour. So it's it's actually got it has got its limitations, but if if push comes to shove, it's a great option. And. Also, you know, we got to, you know, we we. with
4: players make mistakes, we do, you know, we do call them out. And at the same time, when players have good games, we do. Uh, we, we we need to give them the props as well. And Daniel Bentley, you know, he made a couple of fluffs up at Nottingham Forest. He was called out on it, but um, against Villa yesterday, I thought that he had a good game. You know, dominated, picked up the ball, did the right types of things, played it safe when he needed to, kicked the ball. You know, you kept, you know all the things that you expect a keeper to do. And recently, I think we've got really nervous when the ball comes in the area and stuff like that. For this game, for once, I thought actually, tell you something, I'm not feeling as nervous. And, and when any time Villa came near the goal, I wasn't I wasn't nervous at all. The only one time is when they caught us on the break where we were really going for that win and we had everybody up and they broke the ball really quickly and they came down the Conahoe and came out. And to be fair to Bentley, he, he he saved and I don't know what happened. He just was down the other end. I'll have to watch it back on replay. But that's you know one opportunity that they had. But Bentley,
5: tip your hat, good game. Absolutely agree, and, I, and I'd, I'd say that fair play to him. He didn't let the wobbles, he must, he must have been under a lot of pressure, and you know he, he reads social media, but he didn't let it show at all. And his distribution, I thought, was, was, was pretty spot on. One of those throws out to the, to the left back, Literally, almost skimmed the shoulder of the of the forward, and I, I know we were all going, "Oh my god!" But he didn't let it bother him. It was it was absolutely perfect, and um, the way he, he barged um, Barbe out of the way, he almost clattered Barbe out just to just to get the ball. He he wasn't taking prisoners last night, and I, and I, and I exactly, I echo you, Bill. I thought Bentley bounced back last night.
2: I thought when, when he did clatter Barbie yeah, out of the way, I thought that was a penalty. Stonewall. <laughs> oh, it it yeah, just yeah, knocked yeah. him sideways. That, that's a penalty.
4: And, 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 and also the other thing and again I'm, I mean, I'm going to go back and like I said to you I've, I've got so many Sky games recorded and I've never watched any of them you know what I'm saying they're just sort of sitting there you know maybe, maybe I might watch even, even the Leeds game which I, I sort of kind of watched about 20 minutes of it so far I haven't watched back to that because we didn't quite win it but you know I'm, I'm going to actually look forward to going back and actually watching this game with the, from a proper view with 75 cameras so you can see the things that were going on but the thing that amazed me being on the terrace at the time was the way that we did pass the ball around um even within, even when it was really tight space and we had two or three players around, label, play and all of a sudden it's like the ball. We always seem to get the ball, and then when they decided to clear the ball or kick it away, we always got it back. Whether or not we fought for it, we stretched our foot out. It got a double, double rebound that came back to us. It always seemed to almost like stick to us, and it shows that you know if you put yourself out a little bit, probably like we didn't do at Forest. You actually kind of put a little bit of energy into there. You can actually really harry and harangue a team and, and, and do attacks. really well. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, no more monkey business though. You know, you know, why, what you know why
5: that is, Bill? Uh, no. Because we are by far the
4: greatest team the world has ever seen. That is right, indeed. So that, that was, uh, for me, that was kind of, that was really <laughs> it was great. And also the, the crossfield passes that were going down. We were doing these proper cross, flight literally 60, 65, 70 yards, and then they were landing. And the player, the control, and then taking the ball around and playing it off. This is what I'm trying to say about these Villa guys when they're saying you weren't as good. It's like we're playing a different style of football. Beforehand, we'll get Hotter. Hotter will pick up the ball. He'll run at their defenders. They'll fall apart, put the ball in, bang, back of the net. But this is a different style of football that we're playing this time.
5: We've had like 10 or 15 minutes talking about this game. I could probably sum it up in one sentence. Brentford, brilliant. Villa, shit. (laughs) Oh, no, <laughs> and, and just talking about that I'm going
4: to be a little bit more dipl- diplomatic um, because I've got lots of filler chums buddies, mates, whatever you want to call it and you know, yeah, I have got friends you know, I have got filler friends and uh, and they're a good set of lads and lasses and we do enjoy going up there and having the conversations the one thing I'm going to say, because we always you know, chat about this, I'm just wondering whether or not Aston Villa's fans' expectancy and like I said, it's not a lot of my mates are actually, they're not expecting. They're, they're actually saying that you know Dean Smith needs some time, he needs to build a team. You know, he's seen the, the football he plays at us and he needs a bit of time and maybe to shed some dead wood. But looking at what's going on out there now, I mean, there's lots of people that want him out and they're equating, they're saying, you know, not be Dean Smith managed a side who can only get to 18th in the Championship, which we were when we played them. You know, that's not good enough. We want higher than that and all sorts of nonsense like that. I'm wondering whether or not Aston Villa fans' expectancy could be Smith's downfall.
5: Blaney. Um, I'm in a kind of a unique position. I, you know, I, I, for those that don't know what I do, I publish football books, it's my bread and butter job. And I'm currently producing the first part of Aston Villa's 150 Year Book um, with two huge Aston Villa fans, Colin Abbott and John Farrelly. And John Farrelly was with us last night in the pub. He's a massive Aston Villa collector. He's Villa collection is just incredible. It's got stuff that goes back to the eighteen seventies, and it's you know it's worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. It's just it's, it's 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 a thing of beauty. So I trust these two guys. They know their history. They they are Villa Villa through and through, um, and they're brutally honest about Aston Villa they they don't enjoy going anymore since the whole end doesn't hold 30,000 and you know they they that's, that's that's their villa that's their that's their time that's the time that Dean Smith was was part of as well. So Dean Smith is is embroiled into this this heritage and this like legacy as well. And the, you know the great European Cup runs with the Gordon Cowans and the Peter Withs and you know just just incredible times. So they're kind of burdened by their history, but they need to celebrate it still. Obviously, it's the most amazing football club, but they're they they're almost burdened by that. And the players that they've got now, Aston Villa aren't up to the, the badge. They're not up to the, the, the lion. And um, it's, really, it's really quite sad to see, because it's a mag- you know, it's a magnificent stadium, it's a magnificent football club, and they're, they're, they're great fans. But they need to realize that, you know, they, and they've done it in their past before, they have come down, they went down to the third division in the 60s, and they, they bounced back. So they, they, they have, it's not always been about glory. But I think the villa, villa now is, is this expectancy um, and they're kind of a little bit scarred by their last Premiership um, experience and they think it's their divine right to get back there and it, and it isn't and they need, they need to work out really what their football club is all about going forward and obviously you need to tip your hat and you more than tip your hat to the past but what they're not getting with Dean Smith is what we just talked about is this backroom and this kind of philosophy and this, this, this kind of know-how they're just kind of they're caught cool. It's like they're like dodging cars and they just keep bumping into stuff and they, it ain't going to get better overnight and I just um, I'm a, I feel a bit sorry for them.
4: Yeah, a good point there as well, Laney, as well. And Sab, I mean, you were talking about sort of doing the right stuff and doing the wrong stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, f- we, we were talking about this last night and we were looking at um, when Thomas Frank was on this really bad run and yet the, the club had no inkling, no, 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 no attempt, no... no that, you know they just were never going to sack him because they saw they looked at it and they said he's doing the right thing yeah so it's just the, the the results aren't good but that's fine because he's doing the right thing and the results will come and um, but you know when you look back at Dijkhausen he was doing the wrong things it didn't matter about the results he was doing it wrong and so we sacked him and, and
4: ironically, Dykehouse actually had better results than Thomas Frank, if I remember rightly, didn't he?
2: Yeah, I mean that, that that's true. But he was doing the wrong stuff, and that's. So now we're we're looking at our our system, and we're saying they know what they're doing. And there, there's a real. I was talking to, to Matt Wilson last night. I said, so we you know we actually trust them now as a club, as fans, we trust what our you know our, our sort of betters are doing, and it, I think that's brilliant, you know, and that's what Villa haven't got. You know, and that's why the, the fans are are sort of struggling. You know, half of them are saying, "No, get rid of him; he's not getting the results." And others are saying, "Well, you know, he's he's trying. He's a Villa fan. You know, we're we're seeing an improvement, or whether they are or not. I don't know. But uh, but that's it. I mean, we have got the the setup that allows someone to go through a bad run and come out the other side, playing fantastic football and getting results.
4: Again, when we keep talking about this, the word infrastructure, and it's about—it's not about one person, it's about having a bit of a, more of an infrastructure. There's lots and lots of people having a proper system, understanding what the system is, and everyone buying into it. And, and I keep on saying this now because I feel so strongly about it. Previously, two, three, four years ago, we had people, unfortunately, who didn't buy into the whole infrastructure thing. You know, they were doing that. this is us, and we're going to do our own thing, and it didn't work for Brentford. But now, when you see when everyone's working together in the same picture, Eventually, it goes all right, you know what I'm saying? Because you're, you're all on the same page. If you're not on the same page, it's not going to work with us. It might work elsewhere and other clubs because that's the way they operate. But Aston Villa, when they keep on talking about trying to poach this and poach that from us, it's not going to work because you're basically going to have to buy the whole club. And if you don't buy the whole club, then you're not going to get the, the full picture. Anyway, we shall move on because we've got a big game on Saturday. Saturday well it's Saturday it was actually on Saturday and they moved it to Sunday which has really upset a lot of people because it's really messed up our plans and a lot of people's plans but listen we've got to go ahead with it and deal with it Swansea City in the FA Cup 5th round the first time for 13 years I was corrected not 14 we played them 14 years ago but then we played in the FA Cup Charlton a year later as well 13 years ago so we haven't been in the FA Cup 5th round for 13 years Swansea are here or there and we're going to go to Swansea and see what we can do. So we're gonna come back after this little break and we're gonna have a little bit of F- FA Cup chinwag. So FA Cup, we've got a big FA Cup, FA Cup fifth round, the first time we've been in the F round, fifth round since, well, 13 years ago. We played Charlton then, and uh, we didn't do very well when we played Charlton. All I remember is uh, there's a certain Mr Gibbon on the pitch in a sailor's outfit I did. But I think the last boat I ever did was 13 years ago from uh, Keybridge to to Charlton so I did it and uh, Dibbo wasn't on the boat but then he decided to dress up in a sailor's outfit and just he's on the pitch in a sailor's outfit and that that was a very bizarre moment but um, it was alright but like I said to you there's been very very, well quite a few, not a few two or three I think it's three FA Cup fifth round moments that we've had in our lifetime but the very first one that I can remember and I think it's probably the very first time that Brentford have ever got to the fifth round as well.
5: Yeah, sure.
3: no, second,
4: time. second time. That's right. The previous one was when we got when we played Hull in that, that that little period. Yeah, as you know. Yeah,
5: we played played Hull, and before then we I think we we played Preston um, at Griffin Park in one of the biggest ever attendances at Griffin Park. But yeah, in, in living memory, like post post war, I think Blackburn Rovers was the one. You know, it was it was a brilliant cup run. We started in the first round, O in town. And then we, I, think it was, I think it was Peterborough then Walsall. That's right. Peter, Pe- I think Peterborough became a, a replay because I remember it being a it, night game, a third round replay. Yeah, Alan Cochrane, I think, scored with a winning. I think it was a winning goal. I think mean, it went to extra time. I think we. You know, it, it, it becomes a bit blurred, but it, it was it was an amazing cup run. You know, as, as Barnet found out recently, you start in the early rounds, By the time you get to the. By the time you get to the quarterfinals, which we did at Liverpool, you know most most teams have blooming I mean, won it. And in, in Europe, you know we'd we'd, we'd actually to, to start in the third round is a, is a bit of an advantage. So we're in the we're in the fifth round this weekend, and I think. We ought to look back at Blackburn Rovers because uh, it's something, something we tweeted earlier on in the week. Um, Blackburn Rovers was Brentford was in the fifth round in 1989 when they went on that very long cup run. Is that right? Exactly right. It was our centenary year as well. Um, so all the stars aligned and the cup run under Steve Perriman and, and that team, that uh, Gary Blissett and Dean Holdsworth team was, was, pretty, was pretty amazing. So I think we ought to recap. You know, we we, I I tweeted a a picture of the 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 match ticket and um, Peter Gillam's letter to all the. It was a transcription of the um, of Bee's player, which was a uh, it was like a telephone line.
4: Very expensive telephone very, line.
5: Very, yeah, it was an 0898 telephone line. Twelve eleven oh eight. Twelve eleven, yeah. Oh eight <laughs> nine eight twelve eleven oh eight. and it was. And you had to ring it, It cost, Well, whoever I was working for, it cost them a fortune. <laughs> I don't. Any, and no one ever rung it on their own mo on their own mobile. What's on about on their own, te, their own landline? So there were some really, really good replies. And we won't enact people's characters, but I think uh, Kate we'll start with some replies well just first of all just to explain because the reason why is that I actually wasn't I was at the match
4: but that was my first ever coach that I'd ever done the, the official unofficial which started off from, from, from Blackburn and somebody said to me yeah Billy you fancy doing the coach so 20 of us got together got on this coach we went up to Blackburn had that absolutely brilliant brilliant day Loaded with inflatables because it's the era of the inflatables and stuff like that. So I did the coach, so I wasn't really aware of this train. And apparently, there's a letter that went out, wasn't it, Dave?
5: Yeah. So the letter letter was sent out, and it kind of gave the ground rules for the for the special and the, the special train. It, there was never a never a word that's been so wrongly used. It, it really wasn't special. It was awful, and we weren't we had, we left from Ealing Broadway, and um, at some got a. God unearthly hour, no alcohol allowed, no fun allowed. It was, it was, there was like Gestapo walking up and down the train, making sure no one was enjoying themselves. And uh, it kept stopping. Anyone knows that a special train, basically it's a hired train and it fits in around scheduled services. So no priority. No, every 200 yards it would stop and let, let a milk float past. And uh, it took us about 12 weeks to get up to Blackburn. <laughs> And uh, then when we got to Blackburn, we were frog marched by the uh, the Lancashire Constabulary, um, uh, and they uh, there were truncheons drawn at some stages. Um, we weren't allowed to stop at um, newsagents or um, off licences, pubs. Forget. And um, it was. And the letter says it's for your own safety. And uh, they were—it was a different era. I have to admit. You go into Blackburn Rovers now, and you know you can drink in the Hungry Horse opposite Ewood Park, and you can. They probably it.
4: did it because they didn't want you to drink there because then you would be a
5: well, horrendous experience. Actually, yeah, i would be quite happy for the chaperone from the station now. The Hungry Horse is. God, God forsaken place But um, Yeah no It was a different era And um, You know wh- Whether it was for our safety Or not God only knows But it was It was over 2,000 2,500 Brentford fans That went up to that And it was a, You know A magical day um, from, from start to finish You know It was a, it just a, Again An unforgettable day To be a Brentford fan And, and it's remarkable What people remember and uh, that was part of the reason I tweeted it really it wasn't uh, I didn't want to know about dean um, but gary Blissett's two goals I wanted to know about the the little bits and bobs the things that you know 30 years later on um, just 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 kind of still fuzziness that happens in your mind and you go oh yeah and so kate do you want to kick off a few yeah
6: I will so sadly a uh, friend of besotted sarah had to work so couldn't make it But Martin Kelly remembers being on the special train uh, that apparently had about 30 carriages, so no wonder it couldn't go very fast. Um, But uh, remembers doing the conga up and down it, so I don't know where this Gestapo stuff is coming from because there was clearly a conga happening.
2: Yeah, uh, I've I've got one here from uh, Debbie, uh, Bees Forever 7, who really made me laugh. She says, uh, people shouting out to train spotters, it's a train, (laughs) which I thought was very funny. Uh, she says that there was proclaimers lookalikes at crew, which you can only just imagine, can't you? And uh, having bricks thrown at us at the train at Wilson Junction. Uh, other people mentioned that. I think it was some uh, traveller kids just chucking bricks at the train, which is the kind of thing they do. Um, and she also says that uh, she remembers more about the train journey than the match, which, if you scroll through the, uh, the timeline, is what every, everyone just talks about the train journey. It's just, that's really funny, just like loads of train journey stuff.
4: Yeah. This is quite mad again. I've only done one, I think. I've done a few specials at Brentford. I did the one to Notts County as well, and I know exactly what you mean about the Kaskada going go up, up and down, and you trying to smuggle beer on. I think we smuggled beer on and hid it under our seat on the way to Notts County, I and mean, I think we got away with it. And you had to sort of kind of hide your can every time the Kaskada came past. So I don't know what it was like on this Blackburn train. Having a look at a few other characters. Um, there's, there's Rob D. Rob Dowen said after Blissett's second goal hitting the net, running down the terrace like an absolute loony with that old school Castle badge flat cap on. I was only 13 at the time as well. Um, David Howes as well, Howiscus as well who uh, who, who, who talks uh, he he does a lot of uh, corresponding with the Old Besotted as well. My favourite away game of them all singing on the train, singing on the route march singing on the ground, limbs up, limbs with the goal, singing on the route march inflatable golf club out the window beating train spotters. Everyone talks about the train spotters I mean, and the inflatables was a big time because it was that time when uh, the, the inflatable fish fish. For, uh, for Grimsby, they had inflatable bananas for Manchester City. We had the inflatables. And we ended up getting inflatable bees for, uh, for Liverpool, but they were sponsored by KLM, so it wasn't this quite organic thing that, that we normally had, but we, we had all sorts of inflatables on our, my bus that I did up to Blackburn Laney.
5: Graham Clark, Clarkie. Um, I remember forging some max tickets and my mates getting in on them, so I think that's a, that's a proper fess up after 30 years. Um, Steve Harrowitz. In over 50 years of watching sport, quite simply, the best sporting occasion of my life. In fact, barring my kids being born, that was the greatest day ever. I reckon, I reckon that's like a politically um, correct, like, um, sprinkling on of your kids there. Um, my favourite away trip of them all, singing on the train, singing on the route, singing all the way. Taking over the pubs outside the grounds and dancing on the bar. Um... I can't ever forget that day just to the right of the goal by the railings I will never forget that such a laugh okay
6: yeah so Paul Martin so Paul MWW drove up in the pouring rain got soaked stayed in Ramsbottom great curry watched the highlights on match of the day lovely that's pretty excellent and then Scott uh, who said that the goal celebrations were something never to be forgotten. I'm pretty sure I went from the back of the terrace to the front in two seconds.
2: and yeah. Neil Baldwin says that he went through the st- turnstile where there was a giant puddle formed by a river of piss running down a slope from the toilet block. I mean, yeah. I mean, that happens, let's be honest. In the, especially in the uh, late 80s, that was happening all over the country. But, uh, and, good and, mem- and Wembley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good memory from Neil Baldwin there. That's right.
4: That's right. Chris Page, he says something as well, which is so, it was so 80s as well, which happened a lot in football. The bloke in the Brentford then showing his wallet to the Blackburn fans and shouting, look, loads of money, Harry Enfield style. Sorry, Harry Enfield style as well. And again, you're younger, not who may be listening here. You know, just Google Harry Enfield and loads of money, and you'll understand. It was a bit of a caricature of what was going on in the Thatcher days back in the in the 80s. Laney.
5: Last but not least, Paul Ledden. The roar for the second goal was deafening. I have cousins from Blackburn who were always boasting about how much better they were. So to beat them comfortably at their place made it all the more special.
4: They definitely made it special I've got to say Tony Roy he said Shepard did tour from the station happy days huge noise and goals celebrations but I've also just got to quickly mention as well because Kev Power he, he, straight to the point he went the dreadful train they laid on for the supporters and of course the goals for bliss so he kind of like, remembers the dreadfulness of the train like I said I wasn't on so I can't actually make any comment on that as well Well, it was an interesting um, a bit from Chris White as well we don't know Chris but we see him tweet every now and again but he's he's, he's, he's come out there and he's He's professed that it was the day before my last ever appearance for the mighty AFC Teddington and the last full day of seeing out of both eyes. And I didn't see that one coming, he says literally in that case. Um, time for still a, a, a moment of GB second goal, Gary Blissett's second goal, will it or won't it go in? So again, I think Chris was a, it was a poignant time in his life because obviously... Um, yeah, well, as he's explained it there, it's the first time that he's actually seen both eyes. And, uh, you know, and that, 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 that day, which is a brilliant day at Blackburn, like I said, I remember meeting my mate Darby Dave? And he met our coach outside Manchester, and we went to, I can't remember, some place, right in the middle of the nowhere. We, we we got pub, and we met with some Blackburn fans in the middle of there, and we had a really great afternoon. About 20 of us, you know, including uh, South Coast Bees, you know, Bill Lambrisco, Lulu and um, you know and all that lot. Ian Foster there's loads of us inside this coach just outside Blackburn stayed at Standish I think it was it's a place called Standish and we went there we had a right good drink up and, and there, there's, there's were chums we got some Blackburn chums and then we uh, chummed ourselves right into Blackburn we beat them 2-0 and then we went to Liverpool and even chummed ourselves right up it was all good but listen we're talking about that game that Blackburn game which is fantastic but we thought we'd talk to a player who played in that Blackburn game He's going to give us his memories of what happened when Brentford played Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Terry Evans,
3: what do you know? So Sunday, these are down to Cardiff, FA Cup fifth round game, And uh, yes, yeah, Swansea, it's a big game for Brentford. And we haven't been in the FA Cup that many times, as we said. You know, We were there 13 years ago, 14 years ago. And before that, it was the big one, which is the first one that, all of us, probably in this life, I can remember when we went down to Blackburn. We weren't expecting it in a way, and we got Blackburn, who were a big team at the time, and we, uh, we went up to Blackburn in the first round of the Cup. There were trains, there were coaches, there were, I don't know, there's all sorts of malarkey going on there. And I said, it was a very exciting time for Brentford. We got Terry Evans, who was a, was a big player at the time, and he was at Blackburn at the time. Terry, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Really, how are you, mate? I'm not bad, mate. I'm just getting excited about the game on Saturday. We we're, were very excited about the Villa game, and that's gone now. We've beaten them, disposed of them, and now we've got to dispose of Swans. I'm just harking back to those days, because we were, we were just going over a few memories in the podcast today about what went on, you know, for Blackburn and the training that we did and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I'm just wondering for you, what do you remember about that day and about that game? Um. Yeah, well, I we'll, remember we'll just, you know, as, as we did most of the rounds, you know, we we was, were was just written off uh, that we were just going to, you know, we were just there making up the numbers, really. And, uh, you know, we, we we had a lot of faith amongst the, amongst the squad, you know, we, we was going up there, but, you know, we thanked ourselves and, uh, and, and, you know, we had a strong old side bait and, yeah, you know, it's, it's a cup run and it's something you look forward to when you're sort of an underdog and, you know, there was no real pressure on us and uh, we're out there and got the result. And, and I'm just wondering, I mean, how did you prep for that game? Because obviously, you know, we, we beat Warsaw, I said, in the, in the third round. You know, we've got Man City in the fourth round. I mean, Man City was obviously a massive game for us. They came down and everyone expected us to lose that one. And, and there must have been something that you guys did to just galvanise that team in that fourth round game, was there? Yeah, it's, I, I think, I think it's second round somewhere, I mean, think they a replay as well. it taking so a That's it, yeah, so, had, you know, so, it was never a given, and, uh, you know, the, the further you go on, the sort of more beliefs you get, and, and, even, even, you know, about often on when we to sort of Liverpool, we, yeah, we still yeah, belief that, that we could get a result there, you know. It's, it, you know, you just, you just get, Carried away, you know. You're away. Even. You, you, you seem indestructible. That's right. And then, and obviously, like I said before the match, I mean, did you did you go up on the day? Um, did you I mean? I mean, a lot of fans, like I said, you went up on the special train, we so announced it wasn't very special at all. It was a complete like a nightmare. But, I mean, did you go up on the day or did you go up the night before? And did you have like a team bonding session or anything like that? No, so, so we we yeah we went overnight. So our day would be uh, because yeah, traffic's a lot worse now. It was back in the day, we with we, the train in the morning and then jumps on the coach the turn Millers, with we and it would, it would take them around and old by the, the the coach driver good lad and uh yeah just usual as, as we did on on, 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 on on away trips overnight it was just on just on the tr- on the bus up uh night in the hotel I was in with Billy, he'd me, he was the room partner. And, you know, we've just given a, a, few, uh, a few insights into Blackburn and the, uh, the analysis wasn't as as far as it is now, just sort just the day and age, you know, there was no sort of uh, video analysis that kind of, that, that, that's around these days, but, you know, we know, you know, Andrew at the back, Gallans up front, you know, gallons had a brilliant track record, of, of, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with Gallen's, uh back in my career at Wickham. And uh, he was of school, goal scorer, so yeah, credit to the boys keeping him out, keeping the clean sheet there. But yeah, just stuff on the day. Got the result, and then come home. Yeah, and, and again, talk about the day. Like I said, Tudors, I think it was about three thousand B fans that day, and we were kind of in a way we were like we were excited and we were up for the day, but in a way, you you, you know, we never never really done anything before that, so you didn't really expect to to kind of get a result and. It was still nil-all with, I don't know, way into the second half, I think it's probably maybe it was about 10 minutes to go. And, and, I mean, what did you think at that stage, you know, when it was like, it was nil-all and with flat Blackburn? Did you just think, actually, these guys, you know, we can actually, we can do them now? Yeah, I think, oh, 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 it just we just felt comfortable, you know, there was, there was nothing, no, no real, uh, what I can remember, it was no real concerns, and we uh, just went on, and I think bliss got, bliss got the two, didn't he? That's right, Bliss had got the two goals as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, I mean, on, that, on that cup run, yeah, it was a full Bliss. He had a, he had a fantastic cup run, you know, for us. That's, that's, that's right, that's right. So, I mean, and, and afterwards, obviously, you know, we have got the pyramid, you know. And i just trying to think, what, what is the thought Because the thing is, we've got Brentford going into this game. On Sunday, and uh, like I said, to you, it doesn't happen to us that often, so you're, you're in a unique position. You're in really one of like only three teams, probably in the last I don't know, sort of in the last 40 odd years, 40 plus years that have got as far as, as, as this, you know, in the FA Cup um, competition. You know, so I'm just thinking you know, if, you were, if you were put in front of the players. What would you be saying to them about your experiences and 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 what they should be doing to try and get themselves to the quarterfinals? Well, it is it's these you know you, you get these rare chances and you, know, you just got to grasp it. You know? I, I, I I probably yeah sort of may City Blackburn sort of underestimate us a little bit, but yeah you know, we, we took we took full advantage of it. Yeah you know, we, we went out there with a strong side, faced uh, ourselves, You know when we were... It was on the up, you know, obviously, the, 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 year after we get promoted. So, was it the year after, well, I'm think if it was the cup run, then, then we did the playoffs, and then, then we got promoted. So it was. That's right. in the not it? Yeah, it was like a stepping stone, you know. We were starting to galvanise a good side together. Uh, we had some good, you know, the dressing sort of run itself. You know, it had Stephen and Stephen Phil sort of steering us. Um, and we, we was growing, you know, so I think it was fairly young side, but, you know, we was just sort of on the up. So Terry, I mean, like back in the day, you know, straight, you know, the Brentford squad, you went out there, you're strong for every single game. You know, you went out there, there was no sort of kind of weakened sides. Brentford, like I said, weakened sides against uh, Walsall. We lost against Walsall. We lost against uh, Aldershot as well, because they think we had to rotate the teams. And it really upset the fans, because we think we're getting a good cut run. It's good for the team but it's good, you know. It's just a good vibe and it gets them used to winning. But you, there's none of that going on back in the day, was there? No, but I, I remember, you know, the FA Cup final on Saturday afternoon. You know, put the, the old country shut down, didn't it? Basically, you know, it was it was yeah uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you know, it was just traditional. You know, I, I remember from a young kid all the way through. You know, it's traditional and you know, So sort of things have changed and. Uh, they played the squad, you know, I didn't know if they uh, last, just in just a goal, you know, I, I said, that season, that Cup when I think I played six, two games that season. Yeah, and it was just, well, I felt fresh, I felt all right, you know, week in, week in, week out, you, you play, you know, it's, uh, obviously the game was gone, and, yeah, yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah, it baffles me a little bit with, with, with the lads, I know they're covering bigger distances, but, you know, so so's so everybody else. I don't. I don't really get this uh, rotating aside, You know. All right. So listen. So, tell big game FA Cup, Sunday. Brendan at Swansea. We're back in form now. What do you reckon the results, How's it going to go? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, think you got a good chance. I, I, don't, I don't see. I don't see why not. You know, it's uh, it's a cup. It's a one off. And, uh, yeah, know, that's the of the Cups, but, you know, he sort of up on the day gets the result, mate. Right. So hopefully we'll turn up on the day and we'll get the result. And now following the footsteps of Terry Evans and co, we've got through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup for the first time ever for Brentford. So listen, Terry, it's wicked talking to you, mate. And uh, hopefully you'll MBB. be looking out for us BBC Wales oh. on Sunday, you know what I'm saying? Just flicking through the channel. <laughs> Without a doubt, mate. I'll see if I can... Uh, we can get something up on the game, you know, sure, sure it'll be on the uh, bit of sky, they'll be feeding it back. So, uh, yeah, we'll be looking closely. That's right, mate. OK, catch up soon, mate. Cheers.
4: So, Big Tell talking about Blackburn Rovers and how we beat them in the Cup and we went on to play Liverpool, which we, fingers crossed, we could talk about the quarterfinals at another stage, but we don't want to jinx it now. We'll just keep it to the fifth round. But also, Swansea. We played Swansea and things have changed a lot since we played Swansea, well, in the playoffs back in the day when we were competing against them. We played them a few weeks ago, probably about a month or so ago, and uh, they went 3-0 up very quickly. Leroy Fur had a very good game, but we're a different Brentford, and I'd like to think they're a slightly different Swansea. So what's going down in the Swansea camp? We thought we'd need to chat to a Swansea fan, somebody who knows everything that's going on about Swansea. Julie Kissick over in Swansea is going to give us the lowdown in five from the hive. Five from the hive, Swansea.
10: Hello, yes, I'm Julie Kissick from Swansea, which means I'm a Jack. In my day job, I'm university lecturer. But whatever else I am, I'm a football fan. I've been supporting the club for as long as I can remember. I was taken to my first home game, aged about five, and I spent pretty much every Saturday watching the first team or the reserves as a child, and that became a habit. And as I grew up, I suppose, as it is with most football fans, it was a habit that I never got out of. I started, and I've never stopped, um, I also write a column in the Club Match Day programme and I contribute to various media, podcasts and, and websites uh, as a fan.
4: Last season, Swansea featured in the FA Cup quarterfinal for the first time in 54 years. You lost 3-0 to Spurs that year, but with you being 90 minutes, plus extra time and penalties possibly, away from the quarterfinal again this year, do you think you caught Cup?
10: I think it's impossible not to catch cup fever when you're in it, regardless of which cup it is. But there's certainly something really magical, isn't there, about the FA Cup. It's had a bit of a hammering in recent years because the big clubs, the, the Premier League clubs primarily, they just don't take it as seriously because league survival is what matters to them, quite rightly so. But I think the FA Cup in particular is a fantastic competition and, and I know as fans and I'm sure as a club it's something that we want to do well in again this year. In Wales we've got something called the Welsh Cup which Swansea Town won in 1913. That was our first professional season but since 1996 only clubs playing in the Welsh Football League system were allowed to enter the Welsh Cup so obviously that ruled us out we did win 10 out of the 18 finals we contested though back in the day and in terms of Cup success more recently in 2013 um, we won the Football League Cup final against Bradford City Bradford City were uh, in League Two at the time and they were appearing in their first Major Cup Final since they won the 1911 FA Cup Final. They were the first fourth tier side to reach the League Cup Final since Rochdale in 1962. So we were the big guns, the Premier League side and our first Major English Cup Final in our history that was what we were playing in we won 5-0 and we qualified for the 2013-14 uefa europe europa league uh, we were entering the the third qualifying round obviously though um now we we want to reach the quarterfinals for the second season in succession that'd be a great achievement for us particularly because our league form hasn't been as consistent as we'd have liked it to have been and the chances of us reaching the playoffs to return to the Premier League they're not looking good at this point Um, so yeah getting back to a focus on something that we can do well in something that we can win I think that'll definitely lift the the fan spirits I remember watching the FA Cup final as a kid, actually. It was literally on television from the minute we got up. So you'd watch the build-up, the breakfasts, the players getting on the coaches on their way to Wembley, and the reruns of their journey to the final. It really was all-consuming. And although we got more channels and more broadcasters and therefore more options these days as fans, I do think that a decent Cup run makes every fan feel happy you just got to ask Newport County supporters about that because they're having a fantastic run at the moment.
4: Brentford haven't played Swansea in the FA Cup since 1971 where we lost the replay 3-2 after a 1-1 draw at the Vetchfield. However, our most competitive Cup match recently must have been back in 2006 when Leon Knight unceremoniously dumped us out of the Division 1 playoff semi-finals.
10: Yes, a brace from Leon Knight. Who would have thought it? He was on top form that night, wasn't he? And Adebayo Akinfenwa and Leon Britton, they both struck the woodwork. And somebody called Rory Fallon, who played for us at the time, he missed a sitter as well. That game had everything as far as we were concerned. But I don't think you were out of it entirely because our keeper, Willie guerra he was tested by your boys too. Jamie Smith failed to convert a good chance in the opening 20 or 30 seconds, wasn't it? And Gary also saved a free kick from Kevin O'Connor and a couple of decent shots from Isaiah Rankin. So the effort was there from your boys, just not the final execution. And it was the first time that we'd won at Griffin Park in 14 visits, going back to 1977, I think. So... It was a decent result for us, obviously. It wasn't a good one for you because you'd narrowly missed out on automatic promotion because you'd drawn six of your last seven games of the regular season and you'd lost to Sheffield Wednesday at the same time the previous year. So disaster in six end-of-season playoffs campaigns. That was probably quite difficult to take, I guess. But there's always a silver lining for someone, though, and it was for us on that occasion because it was a springboard to the Premier League and all that that brought with it for us. And there's no way after being in the top flight for all those years that anyone could say it was anything other than magical. But, of course, for now, for us, this is a rebuilding time. Getting back there is a priority. Uh, as I said, I don't think we'll do it this year, but um, hopefully if we get a good run in the cup... It will stand us in good stead and hopefully our league form will pick up as well.
4: You were seen as a club with an unenviable structure and a well defined playing style. Left field managers like Martinez, Brendan Rogers, Michael Laudrup, and things turn around. Bringing in the wrong players, employing the wrong managers, eventually you ended up back in the second tier. Why
3: did he go so badly wrong?
10: Do you know, it's a really difficult thing to talk about. I've been around the club a long time, so I've seen this decline before and it's horrible. Managers, players, boards, chairmen, they all come and go. But as fans, we stick with it. Our priority is always going to be the club that we love. And the club's the most important thing. So when things were going well for us, like you say, under Martinez and Rodgers and Loudrup, and also, Gary Monk and Paulo Sousa to some extent. The sky looks to be the limit, and I think you get you get lulled sometimes into a bit of a false sense of security. So we moved to the Liberty Stadium. We left our old beloved Vetchfield behind us. And, and obviously, as fans, the hope is that you'll find your way to the Promised Land and you'll stay there. We did have a good run at it but obviously we didn't stay there. Uh, Many, many clubs have have followed a similar route Um, but I I think in terms of relegation, it's such a painful experience and yes maybe for us the writing was on the wall when we sold out to the American owners. There's always going to be questions as fans about buying a club like ours and whether it was going to secure our future, which is obviously the hope, um, or whether the reality is going to be that that there's going to be a decline, and, and sadly the latter is certainly true of us at the moment. And yeah, I think what you say is right. It's a pretty embarrassing story on one level, because we go from being a model club, which was highlighted as one for others to aspire to, to then being in the position we're in and it doesn't sit well with us as fans, it can't.
4: Saying that, you have some really decent players. Leroy Fur, who was on the verge of signing for Villa in January, ran the showdown at Griffin Park in December. Who should we be worried about?
10: Yes, um, we do, we've got some decent players but they're decreasing in numbers because of where we are in the championship. There's a need to cut your cloth obviously and Every club would start with the big earners being offloaded. We've had to do that, particularly in the in the most recent transfer window. Fair's injured actually, so he won't feature. And sadly for us at the moment, strength in depth is something that we're we're lacking. We're loaning or we're selling the older, more experienced players, and as good as our youngsters are, and believe me, they are real troopers. We've got a really decent academy setup, but we don't have enough options. If Ollie McBurney's fit, he's a handful. McBurney's our top scorer. Uh, he's been ill though, he's had some sort of viral infection that he hasn't been able to properly shift. So he's been in and out of the starting lineup recently. And beside him, we are struggling for out-and-out goal scorers. Although the youngster Dan James, who um, most people would have heard of in the last couple of weeks because he was involved in a real debacle on Transfer Deadline day, he was going to Leeds, uh, but the in fact he was in Leeds, but the the deal never went through. He's like Ollie, he's one to watch as far as you're concerned. He's got great pace, and on his day, he really is a superb player.
4: Brentford were 3 0 down to Swansea only a few months ago. In the middle of our stinky run, we rallied back to three-two, but we couldn't quite get a draw. This could be quite an exciting end-to-end match, as we certainly have goals in us, but we could tend to fluff it defensively. How do you see the game panning out? Give us a score prediction.
10: Look, I'm a Swansea fan. I hope we win. Uh, And you know what? In the current climate, I do think we will. I think we want this season to count for something. And if it's going to be a return to the Premier League, then obviously that would be the preference, but I don't think it will be. So I think we've got to make a really decent stab at the Cup. Um, you're not the only ones who can fluff it defensively though we can do that as well but as I said the main problem that we've got at the moment is that goals are hard to come by um, a fit Ollie McBurney is going to be a headache for any opposition including yours because he really can put them away uh, Wilfred Boney is back temporarily after a long-term injury but he's out on loan now and although, as I said, we've got some really great, enthusiastic youngsters coming through the ranks, it is a real worry for us as fans because you need goals to win games. And every football fan, every footballer knows that. And we ha- we're not scoring as many as we need to. Having said that, um, Bursant Selina he scored an absolute screamer, a proper goal to remember in the 4-1 win over Gillingham. That was the game that got us into the fifth round. He found the top corner from about 25 yards and his goal and one from Barry Mackay. That put us through to the last 16 of the FA Cup in consecutive seasons for the first time since I think somewhere around the mid-1960s. So for, for me, I think it's all about our starting lineup—is who's fit, uh, who's on form. Um, if if Ollie starts, we've got a really good chance. So I'm going to go for a two-one win for us, simply because we are conceding too many goals still, uh, even at home. But uh, I think we'll be okay on the day. Sorry, chaps.
4: So FA Cup fifth round, very exciting. Would it be more exciting if there wasn't such a, I'm going to say, such a cock up on the whole match moving, the coaches, people not knowing where they can go, they can't go. So there's not as the togetherness that you'd normally get for a game like this where everyone's going, they're on the trains, they're on the buses, they all know what they're doing. It's all a bit bitty now and you can't really necessarily get a vibe, a sort of a kind of caucus of people that are going who are potty for it. It's a bit of a shame. To be got on his view and I say if anything it's probably quite lucky that we're playing Swansea who have a, a few issues at the moment as well themselves you know the owner spending money so there's not as much togetherness with them as you would have expected and obviously they've come down for the Premier League as well so for them probably playing in this fifth round isn't a big deal as it would be if you played like Barnett who is like it's it like the biggest thing in the world for them you know what I'm saying so uh, I think for us probably that's that might be in our favour now but we need to, you know, we're trying to trying to do some togetherness ourselves. at Besotted trying to get people together, you know. Maybe if you know people are up for a Besotted breakfast on the M4 sometime, we can uh, we can find a location wherever we can meet up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Besotted breakfast, you know, maybe about sort of eleven o'clock or something like that, somewhere along the M4, and uh, and then after we're going to find a little pub in Wales, and we'll be plotted up right up there there by definitely by one o'clock and have a good little afternoon. But FA Cup, as we said. We are in the fifth round of the FA Cup because we took it seriously this year. Thomas Frank said, "I'm going to play a strong
5: team." He said, "I can't stand losing."
4: That's true. Actually, it's interesting. playing in the background. We actually, we, we, you know, we made sure that we uh, we got the police to come in here, and they're playing in the corner now. Um, yeah, That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we can't stand losing. Absolutely not. We're not going to be losing at all. Fingers crossed on Saturday. But like I said, Thomas Frank put out a strong side. Sunday, Sunday yeah. But Sunday is Saturday, really, as far as I'm concerned. Third round, you know, put out a decently strong side. We beat the Oxford, uh, decently strong side in the fourth round as well against Barnet, you know, and we came through there. And now we're in the fifth round, but we've had a bit of frustration because. Along the years, we've, we've either not put out a strong side or we've just, we've just got knocked out because we've been completely rubbish as well. And Kate, I know you've been doing a bit of research as to who we've been going out to and what stage we've been going out. What, what, what are you saying?
6: Yeah, yeah. So in, in this new millennium, so this is my recent history, uh, we have been knocked out by a really terrible selection of teams, um, including our exit in the 2008-2009 season to Barrow in the second round. Uh, our exit in the 2011-2012 season to Wrexham, also in the second round, just a one-nil, so you know a slim, a slim margin, but still crashed out. Uh, and I think my my personal favourite might be um the 2003 2004 second round exit to Telford United. mighty Telfords, um, who who ejected us uh, from the from the cup there
4: I didn't go to that game I know sprigsy went to that game as well to Telford and he said it was horrendous there was those bricks coming over the walls and everything from the brick to Telford fans who I think that people from all and sundry I mean I know that area because obviously going to Shrewsbury quite a lot as I used to do I'm not, I'm not going up to Shrewsbury as much as I'm now and like I said I know when something happens in that area there's a lot of pottiness going on so apparently the whole Telford were absolutely foaming at the mouth and the Brentford were quite surprised you know so they were quite surprised um, by the Brentford um Turning up, you know, turning up, and they, they were just seeing. Oh my God, how, how these guys are just really quite angry. So um, yeah, like I said to you, I wasn't at that, that Delford match. or was that the Kingstonian match, which again we won't talk about that because that's when I, I flew back from my rendezvous in uh, Denmark when there was activity, <laughs> oh, <Denmark>. and, <laughs> and we won't talk oh, about actually. Was that the um, the threesome that you missed out? On? <laughs> no, 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 you don't know that. No. That's not that. That's a different <laughs> that's scenario. This is when the, this was when there's activity when I decided that I had to escape from Denmark because the activity was far too much you know the, the unwritten activity that I will not tell anyone about other than just say there was activity in Denmark and it was just a little bit too much for me so I, I, bought, a, I bought a plane ticket back to London and came back to watch us lose to Kingstonian but that was better than the Activity that was that was just on- ongoing. a Pathetic
5: excuse for a man. Um, also as pathetic excuses go, on on this list is Doncaster Rovers featured twice. So we, we lost to Doncaster in 0910 in the third round, and we lost to Doncaster in 06-07 in the first round. Um, Burnley, Scunthorpe, Barrow, Luton, Aldershot, Wrexham. Forget Chelsea. They're awful. Brighton and Ove Albion, Walsall, Notts County—all feature. This is this is a an awful list of a catalogue of failure, um, and it does show you that you know you need if you come into the third round, especially, you have got to take it seriously. You know, if you get a, if you get a reasonable. If you get a reasonable draw, you have to then just beat them and 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 see what happens next because you know you just don't know if if Millwall can get through to the cup final as a second tier team, then you know surely we can.
4: And and, and you're going back to these matches. They're a
5: proper team, though.
4: They're they're a proper team, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, Carlisle, I have to admit, there's a few of them that have just been wiped from my memory banks. I I I cannot remember losing to Carlisle in the. I I was Wembley. Oh, it was an it was an away game. I remember it was an away game, and it was, it was a case of going all the way really far. And then we lost to them in the FA Cup, and probably a few Rossler bees went down there. I think it might be an under Uwe Rosler as well. And there's a few, I remember the Barrow game, I think we were around Spriggsie's house for that one. As well, we watched it on the TV, we actually didn't go to that game. And I, you know, it was a Friday night, and uh, I know quite a few characters, when they said it was a really horrendous game, but a brilliant weekender in the Lake District. So uh, there was that one. Obviously, there's the game of Charlton in the fifth round, which was, you know, we did very well to get to the fifth round there. Southampton when we lost 3-1 as well. That was a good one as well when we lost there. I remember Burnley when we lost to them. The previous match we played Derby County in the fourth <laughs> round when um, John Gregory was the manager and we kept us uh, third round. Derby Derby's in the third round and Burnley is the fourth round. That's right. So we played Derby in the third round and we kept on telling John Gregory to sit down. Sit down John Gregory, so
5: yeah, uh, that was quite and also um, the what ended up being the most hate filled afternoon, which was Walsall's visit to, to Griffin Park where they had the most awful flags and whatever to Dean Smith. Yeah. You know, Dean Smith is a he's a lovely, lovely bloke, but but you but, but no excuse for those flags.
10: No, I mean, I
4: mean you know he's got he's got has got a villa and, and we haven't got sort of flags of him you know ginger hair flags, you know, on Union Jacks, you know. sort of, sort of making a You know, yeah, Ginger Judas, right? Just making them up to bring down. I mean, we thought that was that was rather peculiar, like you know. And uh, that is is Walsall for you. (laughs) So uh, yeah. So anyway, that was discussing that, which is interesting. So, but coming to the match on Sunday, Saturday is really Sunday as far as we're concerned. Big, big. You know, listen, the team. TV has blurred it all into just kind of one big merging footballing weekend. You know, And we've got the arse end of it with the BBC Wales 4 o'clock thing, but we have to put up with it. But listen, so Saturday, or Sunday, or well Saturday becomes Sunday, we're playing Swansea. I'm just thinking, guys, what are your thoughts on this? Because I think the most interesting thing for me is the fact that we took this Aston Villa game really seriously, which I said before and I didn't think we'd do. I didn't think we'd put Mococcio in there. Um, the that about that canos was running his ass off for that whole match i mean you know if he's got any energy for sunday i've got a lot of respect for him luckily we've got an extra day because it is on the sunday so it's pushed it back one day so that's a bit of an advantage for us so today which is thursday they'll all be resting up tomorrow they'll probably do a bit of light training saturday they'll probably get the coach and go near to swansea and probably kind of do some training there um and maybe that might be good for us but i'm just wondering what you're thinking we're going to do in this FA Cup game because Thomas Frank said recently at a little meeting at, 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 at the University of uh, West London, we're taking this very seriously. He said, "This FA Cup, brilliant chance to get to the quarterfinals.
5: Yeah, it is, and I've, I've said it a few times recently. You know, I, I, I think if you're, if you're going to be playing Swansea, you want to be playing them at the moment. It's uh, they're up and down. They're not awful. You know, but they're they're it's, it's slightly it's slightly. T- it's a bit of turmoil going on there. They're, they're not, in a, they're not in, a, in a really good place at the moment, and uh, we kind of are. I think um, Nottingham Forest last Saturday was a little bit of a kind of a reality check. That, you know, we can't, we can't go anywhere and assume that we're playing good football and it's always going to end up being a victory. But I think um, the way we bounced back last night and the way with the footballing lesson that we showed um, to Aston Villa, I think it bodes well. I think, I think they are properly up for it. I think if we can get through this, then we're in the court finals, and then if anything can happen we 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 need and, and obviously I got it wrong last week when I said you know we we're gonna we're gonna get a draw at least and bring them back to Griffin Park well that's not gonna happen. the tie is actually decided on Sunday, not Saturday it's on sunday and um and uh I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's a shame that it's going to be such a nightmare to get to for a lot of people. Um, and Sav's unlocked a bit of uh, insider knowledge. If you change your BBC iPlayer, your location, and say that you live in in in, in Wales, in Swansea, it's it's easy to do on the iPlayer, and you you get you automatically get. BBC Wales as your, your preferred and you'll get, the, you'll get to watch it live on your laptop or your phone. So um, just change the settings on your iPlayer as long as you pay your, um, uh, your licence fee, you should be alright.
4: That's right, I mean obviously if you've got Sky or Virgin Media and stuff like that, you can, uh, you can get BBC Wales regardless and there are obviously numerous other tricks to get it if you are not, aren't able to make the game, uh, which is good. But look, uh, Sav, <laughs> this match against Swansea, they're a good side they've got some good players but um, we're a different team to when we played them um, a couple of months ago
2: Yeah we're a much we're a much better team we now play three at the back and so I think they the three early goals they got last time that's not going to happen I think away from home okay we're still not winning that many games but I thought the, the way we took to um, to Barnet away I thought that was that was a really good performance because we just went for it and I think that's that bodes well, It's like the, the FA Cup's like a free game. So you say, okay, we want to win the FA Cup, or we want to get as far as we can in the FA Cup, let's just go for it. And if we go for it, we're a bloody good team. And I think we didn't quite go for it at Nottingham Forest last Saturday. But I think with the FA Cup, it's a slightly different mentality and we can. And I think um, Swansea played last night as well. So it's the same amount of days that they've got to recover as we have. Uh, okay, they've got the home advantage, but I think we've got the form at the moment so I, I, I can see us doing really really well I'm, I'm really quite excited by this game excited Sav
4: <laughs> listen you know I've not, not seen you excited before Sav but anyway but Katie
6: yeah I think I think we can go there and get a result I don't see any reason why not and I think in that in the when we played them in what November was it
4: December um, yeah
6: okay December um, we conceded three goals in 30 minutes in that bad period we were having but then we also got two goals back and we lost 3-2 and like we won the second half of that game so I reckon we've got this because we've changed formation as Sav's already said changed formation got confidence got bounce got energy I think we've got this
4: I just want to say you know it doesn't quite work like that I mean they won the first half we won the second half it doesn't quite work
5: like that okay
6: it does if I want it to
5: (laughs) okay that's fair enough it works exactly how she wants it to. It's great, and I think it does play into our into our hands a little bit. Is the fact that it has to be decided on the day. There's no trying to box clever. There's no there's no trying to play for a draw and getting back to our place. It's it's you. It's winner takes all on the day, and I think we ought to we ought to go for it as as I've alluded to there. You know, um, I think if we, the, the, the the brave the brave will win on the day, and I think we we proved last night we're capable of taking the game to to anyone and uh, being on the front foot and and making it work so more of the same please more of the same, more of the same give us some
4: results around the table please Um, going to my left, Kate
6: 3-1 B's
2: ooh blimey, first ever
4: massive away win,
6: Seth
2: Uh, 2-2 after 90 minutes Uh, 3-2 to us after 120
5: Interesting. Laney 2-1 Bs, more pay with a late winner. Interesting. And I'm going to go 2-1 to
4: Bs as well. Um, it's a clean sweep around the table now. We all think that Brentford are going to be in the quarterfinals and we could talk Where about we more.
5: We'll play Queen's Park Rangers in the quarterfinals. Oh, that'll be quite, that'll be quite <laughs> dangerous.
4: I don't even tell you my... I've, as you know, I had a bit of a predicament last year at the playoffs and I've got another predicament if, if we get through. But I'm not even going to talk about that now because we need to get through first and if that happens then yeah, we can deal with that. But anyway... This is the pride of West London podcast, you know, as we're here in the ship in Wardour Street taking really good care of us wicked. It's, it's interesting as well, because the staff when we come inside there... We've seen them in all sorts of different... They're like, hello, how are you doing? It's like, oh, there are the Cross Keys where we used to go to a lot. And the number one is at the old old Pack Horse where we we're, were at after the Christmas party that we went to. So there's all, it's all recognition, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like we're just moving around London together. So it's just one big one big Fuller's party. Here it is, like, you know what I'm saying? As we're drinking away and having a laugh and celebrating being in the fifth round of the FA Cup. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant. I'm here with my pals. I've got Katie B. I've got Savvy the B. I've got Laney. And uh, we've had a great evening today, and we're looking forward to Sunday, which is really Saturday. But I've got it right this time.
5: Still, still feeling a bit loved up, Bill.
4: I'm feeling so loved up. I will tell you something. I absolutely, I'm loving. Love. I'm loving that. I'm loving the FA Cup fifth round, you know. I feel
5: love, I feel love, I feel love.
4: But anyway, like I said to you, we're very excited. Big game on Sunday. Let's all get down there. Breakfast in Wales. Beers in Wales, and they sing Break- our hearts oh. out.
5: Breakfast at Taffany's. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
4: let's do that one. Indeed. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's copyrighted. Yeah, but as we can say,
5: come, come on, baby.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.